Welcome back to BIOS. I am so excited for our guest today, a two-time primetime Emmy Award winner who has worked as a director, producer, editor on some of the best comedies ever produced, including my favorite, Seinfeld. Huge Seinfeld fan. So the fact that you worked on that show, I'm already putting you on this level up here. David Rogers, everyone. Hello. Yeah. Uh, thanks. It's great to be here. Uh, yes, yeah, Seinfeld was my, my first foray into television. Uh, my first job uh, as an assistant editor. Uh, I, I just I got a phone call one day. Uh, the uh, the editor of the show had had left, and they had a new editor uh, in there, and they needed a new assistant. She had taken her assistant with her, and I got a call saying, "Hey, are you available?" Uh, and I was you know I was assistant editing. I was cutting trailers. And uh, I was like, am I available? Yeah, I'll be there today. <laughs> and that was it. I, uh, you know, jumped on board uh, to Seinfeld. So. Now, since then, yeah. you've worked on The Office, Parks and Rec, and you're currently an executive producer on The Mindy Project. And you mm -hmm. do also a lot of directing there. Yes. Uh, That's going into season six. Is yeah. that going well? It's, it's going great. Uh, you know, Mindy Kaling, mm -hmm. uh, I worked with her on The Office. Actually, she's, we, we realized... Uh, I've edited her more than anybody else <laughs> uh, because I did uh, nine seasons on The Office, mm -hmm. and then uh, I jumped onto her show. So I've this is this will be my fifth season editing her. So uh, like fourteen years uh, of editing uh, Mindy Kaling. You got a good and, bond then. Yes, you kind of yes. know how each other works. We have a good shorthand, and she knows. I mean, I'm always honest with her, and she appreciates mm -hmm. that. If uh, you know, I'll tell her if something if I think something is good or if I think something is bad, uh, and she, she appreciates that. Now, yeah. talking about your big project, Seinfeld, The Office, mm -hmm. both of those went nine seasons, talking yeah. about Mindy Project going into season six. Do you see that going nine as well? No, this is, she's actually announced that this is the final season uh, of the Mindy Project, which is good. I mean, I, I think that the show, you know, we've done all these things that we set out to do, I mean, that, that Mindy had set out to do. I mean, just, it, it's remarkable someone you know, in The Office, she was a, a, a great character, but she was, you know, kind of in the background. Uh, but she was such a great writer. A lot of people don't realize that, that you know, she was a, a writer on the show. And she had, she had such a great voice. And, you know, she wrote a pilot, which starred her. And she, you know, got to make it. And next thing you know, it gets picked up. And it's just, you know, she's just so sharp. She hired a smart writing staff, a great crew. Uh, she, she brought me in uh, on season two when The Office ended. Because she knew, like I could, I could help her, uh, you know, with with post production, mm -hmm. and and also get to direct, and and you know, she appreciated what what I brought, you know, that what I what I brought on the office uh, to for her show as well, and uh, I think you know we, you know, we were on Fox for for uh, three seasons, and then we got canceled mm -hmm. and went to Hulu, and that opened up, you know, a whole bunch of even new creativity. The show got a little riskier. And uh, I've heard a lot of people know. say they love working on the Hulu shows and the mm -hmm. Netflix shows because they just kind of allow you to be free. They really do. I mean, the notes, not the, and again, not that Fox, mm -hmm. you know, Fox was, you know, that's an edgy network. So yeah. it's, it's not like Fox restricted us from doing things, but there's just a little more freedom on Hulu. And the notes are more like, yeah, do we trust you. Do what you do, mm -hmm. what you do best. And, and also the show length can be a little longer. You're not fighting to like oh we got to get it down to 2135 it's like hey the show's 22 great yeah. it's 24 you know especially like we have a premiere or something special episode it'll be 28 minutes 29 minutes coming you know. from an editor point of yeah. view you know, that's huge yeah 
to be able to say, I, I can't cut it, or we need this, and you can well, do it. it's not, it's, you know, we can always get the time out, and, and that's one of the things, like, that Mindy um, has, you know, one of, one of the reasons why Mindy brought me in, and, and I, in turn, you know, got other editors who, you know, Rob Burnett's another editor uh, who works with me. He, he was an assistant editor on The Office and then came up as an editor, and then uh, we have another assistant editor who came up to edit Matt Greenleaf on the Mindy Project and I you know I told these guys like you know what we would do on the office because our shows would be so long is that a lot of times we would take the time out when we get to like a, a after a network cut or to get notes and execute them it's like all right we're still three minutes over four minutes over two minutes over let's get the time out ourselves like we can creatively make these decisions and then let Mindy watch and see, you know, what does she miss? And, and a lot of times she'll be like, this is great. A lot of times she'll say, hey, let's swap these things. Let's let's do this instead or keep this scene or just lose these jokes or, or you know, lose this stuff at the end of the scene and replace it with this from this scene. So, you know, that but that that's part of the, 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 the fun and the art of editing is being able to creatively take the time out so you don't see what's missing and, it, and it's not jarring. So, you know, that's that's something that we do. But it is nice when you're not like, oh God, we have so much time to take out and, and or more importantly, we don't want to lose great yes. stuff. You know, sometimes it's just yes. like, yeah, this stuff is might be not completely on story, but it's so funny, we want to mm -hmm. keep it. And, you know, if you, you don't know, have to cut yeah. it, it's nice not to have right. to do it. And even artistically, I'll tell you, we, uh, a lot of times we like to, you know, we don't want to run end credits over the last scene of a show. The last scene, a lot of times on our show, you know, we have we have it's a lot of comedy, but we have mm -hmm. we have a lot of drama that happens mm -hmm. and, and real poignant moments, and we don't want to run end credits during the end of the show. This actually, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story, um, and I'll, I'll come back to this. But uh, on the Office finale, we were sound mixing the series finale of The Office, and it's about twelve thirty, you know, one one o'clock in the morning. The show is airing. This is we're we're it's Thursday morning, you know, it's airing that night, and uh, you know, here here we are, and we realize I was like, uh, you know, I'm telling Greg Daniels, the the showrunner, executive producer, uh, Greg, the the credits are going to run over the most poignant moments in the show. You know, we have these talking heads where these characters are talking about, you know how special it's it's yes. been to work at Dunder Mifflin, I mean, in character. And Greg was like, no! <laughs> and we had to make phone calls right away. And, and luckily, the, the first time the show aired, they did a promo for, uh, maybe it was Hannibal or something right after, and they, they were able to run the credits underneath a, a, like a 30-second or 45-second wow. promo for uh, you know the following show. So we, we lucked out, in a sense. How and, often you know, does that happen where it is like a last-minute thing of getting it together? Uh, well, The Office, it, it happened a few times. There were, uh, you know, I could tell you some stories. But, but usually you, you deliver a show, you know, at least a few days bef beforehand. This was just one of those things where we had, you know, the network, we didn't even tell them that Steve Carell was in it. We denied it and denied it. They didn't see it. We had the footage transferred at a different facility than Universal and they didn't see it in any scripts, and they didn't see it in, in a rough cut. Wow. And we, you know, it was there, because we didn't want to leak it, and we didn't want anybody to know. And, like, even I, I showed up on set, and I was like, you know, I knew Steve was there for the, you know, shooting that day, and, and it, I was like, oh, can I get a copy of the script? No. Like, you couldn't, 
you couldn't get one. There were like there were numbered scripts, and only certain people had them that needed to have them on set, and they had to give them back at the end of the day. Like you couldn't hold wow. on to them. And that's where there's no phones either to be able to. Yeah, they're very. We, we took pictures and stuff, but it was like everybody on the crew like knows don't yeah. don't show anything. You know. As a director, yeah. do you appreciate kind of the new age actor actress like Mindy, where you are creating your own content? to star in i feel like that's what you have to do in hollywood do you appreciate that as a director yeah i mean look i appreciate you know great writing mm -hmm. and and if a person can act like mindy i used to tease her relentlessly on the office because she would break all the time and i'd be like pulling my hair out and i'd be like mindy you know <laughs> like you have to hold it together you know because you're ruining scenes and I, i'm struggling to edit around you and and in fairness i mean you know steve carell rain wilson john krasinski jenna fisher these, these guys are all super funny the whole cast was super the bloopers funny. on the office yeah. are some of my favorite things to yeah. watch on youtube yeah. as i'm sure they are for a lot of people absolutely and and so i was like Mindy, you have to hold it together and i i, I remember like i was i would write to her you know, send emails during season one of the mini project before I was on it. I would tell her like, "Oh my God, I love this episode. I love what you did here and this." And I said, and, and her acting just really, you know, she's playing a, a totally different character mm -hmm. than Kelly Kapoor. Mm -hmm. Her acting just skyrocketed. I was like, "Mindy, you are so good." I mean, like, like she became a great actress, mm -hmm. and she, and it's even like with each season, I just see more and more depth. She can handle things with ease. Like she's so comfortable. And, and playing the challenging stuff. And and I remember, though, having a conversation with her, and she's like, thanks, Dave. She's like, I you know, I can't break as much because I'm the star. Like, I'm the one. I have to keep it together. It's like, that's a good thing, you know. But she still, she still laughs. There's still, I mean, you can't help it sometimes. Stuff is so yeah. funny. For you, know? you, you got your start in filmmaking at a very young age, at least a mm -hmm. love of filmmaking. I, I read that you were eight, yeah. and you saw Superman. Yes. How did that come about? Did you just saw it and you realized that's what you wanted to do? I yeah, I mean, I, I was, you know, I was a big superhero fan and comic books. I don't know, I was always drawn to, to you know, superheroes and and Superman. And I saw Superman the movie, in that I was eight years mm -hmm. old, and I saw that, and I was I was just blown away. I mean, in theaters, was, you saw in theater in the okay. theater. Yeah, I'm I'm a little older. Than no, you. I just, <laughs> yeah. I wanted to see if you got like the full experience. Yes. I saw it. It's funny. I just recently I saw it Easter Sunday. Um, I took my girlfriend to see it. She hadn't seen it since she was like five, and uh, I was, you know, and I surprised her. And it's it's great. I mean, it's still, it's my favorite movie. And it's, it's a classic. Yeah, and it's you know a lot of the, all the superhero movies today. I think owe so much to that that it's like, hey, it, we can do it. You know, and mm -hmm. and that was the thing that was the first one, where all of a sudden you know you have, you know this. You have, you know, Richard Donner, who was the director, just treated the material so seriously. Like, you know, didn't go campy. It's not like the, the 60s Batman show, which mm -hmm. was a great show. But it's not, you know, they said, let's just treat this seriously. Let's. This is the only element of fantasy, really, in, mm -hmm. in the in the movie. It's like, here's a character who's, you know, has these, these great powers. But everything else is is so realistic. And, and you know, as a kid, I just was... I just was amazed at what, what they were able to do. I mean, just seeing him fly, seeing what they, you know, just the storytelling in New York City, uh, just, and, and at the end, you know, but just the plot, the whole thing with California, you know, so genius, so ingenious <laughs> that you're like, we're going to fire missiles, re, you know, change their directory, have them land on the San Andreas Fault, and, you know, the West Coast mm -hmm. will sink into the sea, and the new West Coast is all this 
worthless desert that Lex Luthor purchased. And and now living in California, when we have earthquakes, <laughs> I always think about that. We're like living on the on the fault line, and you know. Did you then, you know, after you saw that, start making projects, editing? Take us from when you were eight of how you got to here. I guess I mean, so I saw Superman the movie, and I I came out of that, and I was like, I started to just read up on. How, do, how does it get made and and who does what and they they would have on on tv like the making of superman the movie and then they'd have books like you know just behind the scenes books and you know you'd read starlog magazine at the time but we had no internet so you would just read stuff and you would you know just whatever you could get interviews and things like that uh of, you know starlog just dealt mostly with, with sci-fi stuff so luckily you know superman fit in there uh, star trek things like that all these things that i was interested in and I, again, so I would just, just read up and, and learn. And even, you know, as I got a little bit older, I remember Premiere Magazine was another big magazine that uh, they would have interviews on set and, and, you know, you could just learn about the process. So when I, you know, I guess that was, you know, when I was eight, I was reading and, and doing stuff. And I always say, you know, it's kind of funny. Like I, I had, just like everybody else, I had like superhero action figures. I never had like GI Joe. It was always like the you know the Mego superheroes, and you know you play with your dolls, and in a sense you're making movies. Like you're telling a story, and it's always there, there's something about you know setting up these characters, and you want you know here's the, your hero and your villains. You always want the heroes to get beat at some point, and then you want them to come back and win. Yeah, and it's overcome. Like, yeah. And it's like traditional, you know, it's like basic, like Robert McKee story 101. Like, you know, the hero, you know, or, or even yeah. just, you know, anything that you, that you see about uh, the hero's journey and, and, and mythology. You know, Joseph Campbell, that kind of a, a story arc. And, and that's basically it. Like, you, you know, you're, you're kind of making movies. And I, and I, I just always wanted to film stuff because you'd always like retell the same story, basically. <laughs> when, uh, when I was 16... At some point, I started working with a photographer in my neighborhood. I would videotape weddings and bar mitzvahs because mm -hmm. uh, he knew I was interested in, in filmmaking. And so I, you know, I was doing weddings and bar mitzvahs. Then he would lend me his equipment on the weekends, and I started, you know, just kind of fooling around a bit. I never shot on film. I was never a Super Eight guy or anything mm -hmm. like that. And uh, so I, I shot on video. And the first, the first thing I did was Superman in Marlboro. When I was, that's my hometown, Marlboro, New Jersey. And when I was, when I was 16, I made, you know, I made a movie and, uh, I, you know, I had friends in it. I, I had someone, you know, make me a costume. One of my, my mom helped put it together. I bought like, you know, uh, tights, you know, whatever, you know, a whole like leotard type of thing. You, you were know? full in. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was, and I had, you know, put an S on it, a cape, and then I would shoot, you know, like flying scenes. I was trying to figure out what's. How, how do we do this? How do I do flying scenes? And I tried stuff. I'm on a skateboard going down my driveway, and I have my friend filming me. And I'm like, "You gotta film me from the waist up. You gotta, film, you know." And I'm like this, like on the on the skateboard. I'm like, "You gotta film me on the up from the waist up." I, and I have this footage. I have to show you because the best part is this blooper reel of all of these these things, the the joys of production. I'm on the roof, and I'm standing here, and, I, and again, my friend is lying down on the roof, and I'm like this, you know. And I'm like all serious, and I'm doing the same things as like Christopher Reeve. I'm like, you know, taking my arms like this, and you know, as he would do, and you know, this kind of stuff. And I had someone else like holding my cape up in the background, and 
and it looks, you know, it, it doesn't look half bad when you throw in, like, a, you know, some Superman music, yeah. and, you know, it, it doesn't look half Do bad. You, look, you, you know. said you still have that. Do yeah. you look at that footage and think where I was to where I am now? Do you ever look at that and appreciate or think back of the journey? Yeah, I don't think I'm that much better than I was <laughs> back then. Um, Probably just a little bit. You know, you get to work with professional actors. Yeah. And you get a lot of a lot of better tools. I just did. Uh, I, you know, I was fortunate to do the the spring premiere of Mindy, mm -hmm. and I it was a great. It's called Hot Mess Time Machine, and in it, it she does like a Groundhog Day type of thing where she's reliving the same day over and over again, and so she starts like having fun, and then she starts. You know, her boy, basically her ex-boyfriend, she realizes all this is to, to get back her ex-boyfriend. Mm -hmm. and, and she realizes that she doesn't know anything about him. So she starts studying him. And he's kind of like me. He's a geek. So I have this whole montage where she's reading comic books. She's watching Star Trek The Next Generation. She's practicing with a lightsaber. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it just was, it, it was, some you know, for me, like she even did cosplay. Like, you wow. know, and... And she's she does it's it's really funny she she does one character from uh, uh, the DC universe and then you know she thinks this will impress her her ex boyfriend and he's like ah I'm more of a Marvel guy and she's like yeah who's Marvel and then she comes back you know I get to do this thing where she's then dressed as Marvel and you know it was it was fun to even pitch her lines of like you know naming X Men and things like that for her to you know to jump in and you know things that you could help on. yeah yeah that I get you know it was like people were like did you write this script I'm like no I just got lucky but. Uh, but, it, you know, it was, it, it was fun to get to do that kind of, you know, superhero mm -hmm. stuff and, and, you know, watch her argue about Kirk versus Picard and things like that. You direct, you produce, you edit. Does doing all those jobs help one another? Is it a challenge? Is it helpful? I think it's helpful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, directors, you know, by nature, you know, want to control mm -hmm. to a certain degree. I mean, everything's a collaboration. But it's, you know, to direct something and then leaving it up to the hands of an editor sometimes, you know, you have to really trust that they will, you know, find the material mm -hmm. and put it together. And then, you know, on television, you get a day or two to, to work with them. Mm -hmm. um, I love that I get to edit my own stuff that I direct, you know, when I'm on a, on a mm -hmm. show that I'm, you know, on, on the staff. Of. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's, you know, uh, yes, to me, it all, it, you know, benefits because I... I, I'm just more efficient when I'm shooting. I get to fix my own mistakes when, I, and I learn from them. I'm like, oh, I can't believe I didn't get that shot, or oh, I just learned a trick on how to, how to you know, <laughs> fix that, and I can incorporate that next time. Or, and just even, you know, even in, in telling the story, you you see what footage you have, and and you know, as an editor, you're being creative, and you know, you're again, you're you're solving all kinds of problems, but sometimes you're just mm -hmm. you're creating art at the same time. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I was a television reporter and I was a one-man band. So I shot and edited all my own stuff mm -hmm. in addition yeah. to producing it and producing shows. So I know when you have a vision, sometimes it's easier just to be able to keep doing it yourself. And so that's why I was wondering, uh, doing the editing and then now doing producing and directing in addition with that, if that's helpful or if that's stressful sometimes that y you wish you could hand it off or is it... Well, I mean, sometimes, you know, I've worked on other shows where... Mm -hmm. I'll, I just direct and someone else edits it and, you know, I come in and, and give notes and it's, you know, it's great and, and that's it. And, and I'm there, I'm available. Other, other times I'll, I'll direct something and I'll watch the cut and I'll say, hey, can I, you know, 
I'm happy to come in also. And if there's an extra bay, if you guys are cramped for time, I can, you know, I mean, a lot of editors will, will who direct mm -hmm. will, will do that. And, you know, but whatever, you know, it's whatever the situation allows or calls for. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it, it's nice to be able to, to edit your own stuff. The drawback sometimes is that I, I'm playing catch up. Uh, in a sense, like I'm, you know, if I'm editing a show or I'm overseeing my other editors and then I'm directing. So now all of a sudden I'm, I'm pulled out of post, you know, on a daily basis because I'm prepping and then I'm shooting. I'm still watching cuts and I'm still, you know, okaying and, and approving visual effects, sound mixes, things like that. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not cutting. And then when I'm done, if no one else has cut my dailies, now I'm cutting dailies. Soon I'm going to have another show coming down the pipe you know, quicker. Mm -hmm. And if there was something even previous that I hadn't finished, I, I've got to work on that. So sometimes you, you know, you get a little behind and you're, mm -hmm. you know, so now you're working weekends, you're working later nights, things like that, just to, you know, but to me, it's, you know, the trade-off's worth it to, you know. You worked with some of the biggest stars of today. We're talking about Mindy Kaling, Steve Carell, Amy Poehler, when you directed an episode of Parks and Rec. Mm -hmm. And as a director, your job is to get the best out of them. How do you do that? That's a that's a good question. Uh, you know, the people that you've named are so great. I mean, mm -hmm. really, like, you know, the casting on The Office is just, and I, I've watched the auditions, and it's, I mean, it's just so great. You know, they're just great. So my job as a director is just to make sure that we're serving the story. If there's something like, you know, just to get some options on things, like, oh, try it this way. Or, you know, sometimes the writer will be like, uh, you know, the, they know what they intended and the actor isn't quite getting it or they're doing something different. And sometimes that's what you end up with and, and you like that better. But other times, you know, the writer might say, hey, can we, you know, maybe try it this way? Or as a director, I will see things. I will pitch jokes. I will, you know, say, hey, can you try this delay, you know, delay this reaction? You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, sometimes it's just a little bit of, of fine tuning. Mm -hmm. But, you know, my job is to, uh, on the set is to basically just help them. They're already, you know, so great. It's just to help them get get their best stuff out and to make sure it's captured. Is it to challenge yeah. them at all? I mean, at that stage. I mean, it's a, it, not really. I mean, it depends. I mean, they they want to be directed. They want to, you know, they're they're always happy for insight, and they'll resist if they if they feel like no, that's not right. You know, they'll push mm -hmm. back, and it's that's fine. Like it's a discussion. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes you just have to. You know, it's a, it's all a collaboration. Mm -hmm. But my, my you know my job as a director is to make sure that I'm serving the story. My actors are 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 looking good and and making you know making good choices, and I'm I'm capturing that. That's that's really what it is. You're making sure that you're getting the coverage you need, and that you're you know you're getting the best angles on them to that tell the story. Whether it's if it's a close up or hey this plays better in a wide mm -hmm. or a medium shot. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that you're, you know, on top of that. And you're, you know, you're working with them with blocking, like what's more efficient, what makes the most sense, what's the funniest. Mm -hmm. You know, things like that. Everyone has bad days, I know, even I'm sure in the shows that you work with the mm -hmm. hundreds of episodes that you've yeah. done, cast members have come in and it's not their their best day. They might have something happened afterwards. Is there a way that you pick them up or, or help them reach their full potential on days like that? Have you ever had an experience like that where they've come in and, you know, you can tell that, that they're they're not at their best or that their their focus is maybe not fully there because of something else that happened and you have to challenge them or pick them up? 
Not so much. I'll be honest. You know, sometimes they'll tell me after, mm-hmm. like I'll finish directing something, and then you'll be like, "Hey, thanks. This, you know, this was a tough week. I was dealing with some, you know, whatever. You know, actors in general might might hint at something, and you'll be like." I didn't even notice. I, you know, I'd be like, Mindy, I thought you were great. <laughs> like, I, you know, and and it's there. The all the performance is there. Like, if I'm not ha- if I don't think we're getting it, we'll keep shooting, and and, and you know, until we do. And I've I've had other instances with actors where I feel like they've been, I, I like I know they have stuff going on mm-hmm. in their personal lives. They don't show it. Like, I'm am- I'm blown away at how well they can cover. But I guess that's what you do. You know, you have to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's a skill set that they have to be able to memorize their lines, to, to know what their, you know, what their character's about and, and to be able to to do it, you know, repeatedly. Um, I think, you know, sometimes we'll have guest actors and uh, and sometimes, they're you know, they're not familiar with the style of the show, like in The Office, more of a dry, you know, sense of humor. You know, they're used to either being a little more broad mm-hmm. or sometimes we have, you know, actors who are, you know, dramatic they don't do a lot of comedy and they don't quite get the rhythm on the office the, there were a lot reactions. of cameos especially yeah. late in the later mm-hmm. seasons yeah but so sometimes it's just getting them to settle down or figuring out okay how are we gonna you know sometimes i have to tell the the series regulars you need to be more you know positive or more up because you're setting the tone they're just kind of reacting to you so if your if your choice which was right to do more of a deadpan low energy type thing it's not working because then they're playing even more low energy. So I need you to, you know, play it more positive, more more upbeat, and then they'll, you know, they'll rise up to, to match that. In you your know. career mm-hmm. and starting in Hollywood and even starting, in, you know, very young when you were putting the Superman <laughs> and Marlboro together <laughs> yeah. all the way to now, what would you say has been your biggest struggle? Or has there been a time of, where you kind of faced a wall and you've had to overcome something or you faced a hurdle? Well, I mean, I think with everything, there's always transitions and leaps. You know, I I moved out here. I was a production assistant. I was a, a PA. And I was, you know, everything from picking up cigarette butts on the, on the you know, this, mm-hmm. the parking lot of a nursing home where we were shooting to, like, you know, scraping up a fake floor on my knees, like the, you know, the day after rap that we, you know, we put down a fake floor on a soundstage to, you know, just staying up all night, like, you know, taking care of extras and things like that, making sure people are, you know, walking in and out properly of of scenes. And, you know, you, you do everything that you're, you know, that you're supposed to do and you, you're good at what you do, but there's still that, that stress of like, you know, is this when is when am I going to go to the next thing? It's hard to you know to that transition to mm-hmm. make the next leap. And you know my my career path, I went from that to you know I, I ended up you know being from a production assistant to being like a runner at a post house. So I would just deliver stuff. I was driving, and I did that for a year. But at least I got to learn the Avid. I got to learn some of the you know the the newer post production yeah. editing systems at the time. I would drop reels off on runs towards the the end of the the year. I was like, it's time for me to move on. And you know, from that, then I went to like a, apprentice editing, and then I you know I worked on something for the Oscars, and then that ended. And then I I did something for an ad agency, and I worked as an assistant editor. And then you know, next thing you know, I was assistant editing on trailers. I was doing sound editing, and then I was cutting trailers. And then you know, I got a phone call saying, hey, you know. Uh, we need you. Are you available to work on Seinfeld? We need an, need an assistant. So I, you know, then I, I I was in television. So I was assistant editing for two years, and then I, I got to cut. I cut the clip show 
which yep. aired right before the the series finale, and that was my first. Soul. Love that episode. Th- oh, thank you. I mean, it was great. That was my my first you know soul editing credit, and it was great. I got to you know bring in Superman music, and uh, it was. There's a, I heard yeah. there's a Superman in every single episode of Seinfeld in the background. Or I on can't a... confirm or deny that, but I I it sounds. I'm not sure about season one, but I, I know that. Uh, you know, there are lots of Seinfelds either on the refrigerator mm-hmm. or the, you know, a magnet or the, or the, you know, the model or some it was reference. for you. Yeah. Would, and, and Jerry, you know, we got along great because we were both huge yeah. Superman fans. So we would, you know, talk here. And I would like, at the time, the Warner Brothers store, I mean, I was their biggest, you know, biggest buyer. <laughs> it's like, oh, there's a Superman belt. Oh, there's a T-shirt. I would like, you know constantly wearing t-shirts and superman you know paraphernalia and jerry would be like hey where'd you get that and you know we would just talk about superman or our love of superman jerry would always ask me hey where'd you get that that shirt or that belt and you know i would i would inevitably tell him and yeah. we, you know we would enjoy talking about uh superman but you know it, again getting to getting to cut that clip show i had to really prove myself because it was the first time that I was I was given a, a show to cut and you know I got to work with Jerry but he came in like this and this is a true story he came in you know we had finished shooting the Puerto Rican Day parade which mm-hmm. was a huge episode and finished shooting the finale and Jerry came in he's like all right so what's going on and Skip Collector who was the editor who was a mentor of mine he was he was finishing up the Puerto Rican Day parade and the finale and I said I'm I'm cutting the clip show and I was working with Darren Henry who was a writer's assistant slash writer on the show and uh jerry was like okay all right well let's you know, let's see we'll have to see about that and i don't blame him he doesn't you know like i say he likes me we, we talk about superman but this is his show uh, he doesn't know what i can do as an editor and so you know i had to prove myself and but by the end of the first week he was like you know really happy dave's great he, he told the line producer awesome. and uh that was it we had we had a blast he he, he was just like this is such a such a you know great walk through memory lane you know really taking a, a stroll at the end to yeah. get to you know look at all these clips and just you know really get to play and do some montages and show some bloopers and behind the scenes stuff that we we hadn't seen on the show i find yeah. it interesting coming from someone who yeah. i have a lot of friends who are in the positions that you first talked about mm-hmm. where you are the pa where you are the runner and you're doing the grunt work yeah did it feel like that just dragged on forever? How did you keep yourself motivated in those times, looking ahead and wanting more, but knowing that you were in the position where you were? Well, I mean, I'll tell you, you when you come out to L.A. for the first time, everything is new. So even getting those first jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I, as a PA, I, I was I was good. I hustled. Mm-hmm. You know, I worked hard. Like you have your, your work ethic is your work ethic. But it was still like the jobs themselves, like they could be, tough and stressful and then finding the next job is stressful and that's why i, I got a job as a, as a runner but there were times because because it was steady it was mm-hmm. like okay i don't have to at least stress about you know getting another job and I, it's post-production let me i think i would like this let me you know I, it was something that i always excelled in at school was was editing so let me you know except now it was mm-hmm. like i said new technology yes. it was all editing on computers as opposed to film and video mm-hmm. but um you know you again you you know you work hard I would do things, sometimes I'd be on set, like I, you'd be there late, late at set. I was ghostwriting scripts for people, too. So I would sit there and be, like, taking notes. I would be, like, outlining stuff. I was on set in a note, you know, we'd be on location somewhere. I'm doing the lockup where, you, you know, you've got to make sure everyone's quiet, no one's walking under the, the yep. set. And I'd be sitting there writing notes 
and then I would get home at like two in the morning and I would I had a little Mac classic <laughs> and then I would be, you know, typing kind of like typing up the scene, like the dialogue, like writing it from like two to six. And then I'd sleep for like an hour and a half and then I'd be back on the set. And you just, but you, you, I knew I was being creative and I wasn't getting paid a lot. Like I was writing for someone mm -hmm. and you get paid like $0 for the first draft and $500 for the second draft. But at least I felt like, oh, this is, I'll have scripts. I'll, you know. Mm -hmm. And then I worked as an intern for Silver Pictures uh, when I was a runner at the, at the trailer house. Uh, on Fridays, I would go in and just, you know, I was working for free, but I was photocopying scripts. This was the guy who made Die Hard, you know. He wow. made Lethal Weapon, uh, you know, he produced Lethal Weapon, mm -hmm. he produced Xanadu, and it was like this, you know, so it was just great to see what, you know, be to be on the Warner Brothers lot and, uh, you know, to be to be with Joel Silver mm -hmm. in, in Silver Pictures, like, you know, it was just, these, these are the things you have to do. And I would read scripts also. I was uh, I was doing coverage for free for Avnet Kerner. These guys made mm -hmm. The Mighty Ducks and, you know, yeah. various, various, you know, movies. And I think, you know, you just kind of, you know, you kind of, there's such desire to, to break into the business and uh and that, that's what i was saying before also was though you know you asked me about the challenges the transitions it's it's always that's what the trans that's what the challenges are is to go from okay i don't want to be a driver anymore i want to be working in post mm -hmm. and i have to let go of the steady job and now freelance and take that risk and mm -hmm. then you know even after i edited that clip show i went to news radio which was a, another great show i was assistant editing yeah. but i got to cut and eventually after that, I was like, all right, I don't want to assist anymore. I have to stop assisting. I have mm -hmm. to turn down assistant mm -hmm. work and now just say I'm only cutting. And sooner or later, you know, another job will come. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, Andy Richter Controls the Universe was a show. Yep. Skip Collector, my mentor, was editing. That was about 2002, I think. 2001, right? actually. 2001. 2001, yeah. And, uh, well, two, actually, 2001, 2002. But I was there 2001, I remember. Okay. Um, and, uh, and Andy Ackerman was a director, executive producer on the show. So he approved me to edit because nice. we had worked together mm -hmm. on Seinfeld. And, you know, again, you just, that's it. You just have to push and, you know, get your, get the editing jobs. And the next thing you know, instead of you hustling to call, hey, are there pilots available? People start calling you. And, you know, then the next thing you know, you're, you're on a show called The Office. <laughs> so then you're. Just some <laughs> show you know. called The Office. I had done other comedies, too. I mean, I had done. You know, I had a good year. I did The Office, and then we did the six episodes, and then I went and did a show called The Comeback for HBO mm. with Michael yep. Patrick King. Yep. And then I went back to The Office, and then even one summer I did a few episodes of Entourage, which was another mm -hmm. great comedy. And, uh, you know, just, you know, The Office, though, took off like you never expected. Yeah. And then, you know, all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is a huge hit. I think so. I read that for that show it wasn't until either like two seasons in or three seasons in when um, – Michael Scott, you know, Steve Carell, was nominated for an award, and they were like, that's when it finally became known as the show. It Until really, then, it was, you know, nobody really knew. Well, we came out, you know, single-camera comedies were, were still kind of new at the mm -hmm. time, and we came out, you know, on our, on our you know, the, the lineup, the night, I think we were on maybe Tuesdays originally. I'm not sure if we were on, I, can't, I couldn't tell you if we were mm -hmm. on Thursdays originally. I just don't remember. But, uh... You know, we did season one was six episodes, mm -hmm. you know, pilot plus five. And then season two, we got picked up for like six episodes or seven episodes. And then we kept getting more. And it wasn't until the Christmas episode hit that they started putting the show on iTunes. Like, that's what was new. And all of a sudden, they looked around and saw 
oh, The Office is the number one, two, four, five, seven shows, you know, top shows being downloaded on iTunes. And so the network was like, oh, we're on to something. And then they picked us up for the full season, and then they picked us up for season two and season three. I think that's when it moved to Thursday night. I think you were right that it wasn't on Thursdays initially. And then after like three seasons, then it's weird because everyone looks back and is like, the Sea Office is one of the, you know, I would say a lot of people say top five comedies of all time. And to hear the start that it, you don't know what's going to happen after season one. You get six episodes. Season two, you get another, you know, couple episodes and you don't know that it's going to be this huge hit. You never do. I mean, and that's, look, even with Seinfeld, Seinfeld, I worked on the DVDs mm-hmm. and, the, and, and the Seinfeld story. That, so I know the documentaries <laughs> and I know the, a lot about the behind the scenes and the history of the show. But the show was originally supposed to, it was, you know, originally supposed to be a 90-minute special. For SNL, right? Yeah, it, it, late it, night. replace yeah, SNL. Just like a one-week, you know, one-episode thing. And then Jerry felt like he couldn't sustain doing these kind of sketches for mm-hmm. 90 minutes. So they said, oh, let's do a pilot. So they had the money from the late-night budget. They made a pilot. It got dumped. I mean, like, they didn't, weren't going to pick it up. They burned it off over the summer mm-hmm. as a one-shot. And then Rick Ludwin said, you know, I've, I'm hearing some things. And he took money. He, he worked, Rick Ludwin was an executive at NBC. He was the late night. And he took money out of his budget to pay for four episodes. This first Seinfeld of season is a pilot plus four. <laughs> and wow. then the next season was, you know, they got picked up for 13. Mm-hmm. And then season three, it was a full season. I mean, it's, and it, again, it was not a, a breakout hit. Same thing as Cheers. Yeah. Cheers was like second to last the first mm-hmm. year it, it ran. But that's the thing. The networks, they were a little more patient. You have these executives that, you know, and even today, like, you know, if they believe in a sh- show with their gut, they'll give it a chance. And sometimes it really, really pays mm-hmm. off. Yeah, I, it was Seinfeld. I, he, they wanted, they didn't want the type of comedy that Seinfeld was. And they were like, no, this is not going to fly. This is not what we do. You need to change it. And I'm, I read <laughs> an interview with Jerry and he said, no, I don't need this. I can go back to comedy. I don't yeah. need this TV show. If you don't want it, then that's yeah. fine. But this is what we're doing. Yeah. And well, that, that's what you know. It's funny, like you know, they had the Chinese restaurant episode, which is now a classic. Yeah. And they said, like, it's a show about nothing, because they argued with him. <laughs> they said, we don't get it. This is a show about nothing. <laughs> nothing happens. It's a show. And it aired, and it was like one of the biggest hits, like one of the favorites that season. Yeah. And and the executives, I think Warren Littlefield was like, we didn't get it. We just <laughs> didn't get it. it. You know, and that was it. And but and it's even funny what you say about Jerry because that stuff makes it into episodes. Like Larry mm-hmm. David, he'll put that in. And there's episodes where you know George and Jerry are pitching a show, and they're like, what if we got these two together? And you know, <laughs> Elaine and and Jerry, and and George is like, no. No. This is the show, and we're not changing it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, oh, it's such a classic. Yeah, you're doing mm. the jobs to get to where you are now, to become an assistant editor, to become an editor, a producer, co-producer, executive producer, director. What drives you? What motivates you in times like that, where you're striving for the next thing? And even today, what motivates you for the next thing? To keep working hard, to keep pushing yourself. I mean, I think that for me, it's always just a desire to entertain and tell stories. I think that's why, you know, most Mm -hmm. people in this industry do what they want to do. Like they have, you know, it's like for me, I saw something cool. I saw Superman the movie and it had this effect on me and it made me, you know, feel good and enjoyment. It's like, oh, I want to be able to do that. I want to make something 
that other people can can enjoy. For the eight-year-old that's out there yeah. watching. Or the 25-year-old or the 45-year-old, you know, whatever it is. And it, it's just, you know, then it just becomes about doing it well. Like, oh, I want to make a, sh a show or a movie that people enjoy with, you know, that that speaks to them. And I want to make sure I do it do it well, do it the best that I that I can. And that's what I do. I mean, with any show that I do, I painstakingly, whether it's, whether it's pulling bloopers for, for the Seinfeld DVDs and hunting through the old bloopers and making sure we have the right camera angle for this reaction shot or that we have, you know, great audio, or if it's, you know, putting together a scene today and editing, like, you know, if I have to do some trickery or, you know, we need to steal some ADR from a different episode or, you know, some, some dialogue or, you know, whatever, whatever you need to do. I mean, so often, you know, I think stuff, you know, slips by it, it you you have to to succeed you really have to take it to that next level of like we'll do whatever we have to do to make this you know look great and even if it's something that 90% of the audience won't notice we're going to do it anyway we're going to do it for that 10% that will and we're going to do it because these things live forever i mean mm -hmm. people watch i love lucy and mm -hmm. you know the honeymooners and star trek the original series they live forever once they're captured and they're edited and they're put out there they live forever. And they're the things yeah. that they, you know, they 90% might not catch the first time. But there are mm -hmm. things, I, and when I watch Seinfeld now or The yeah. Office or The Mindy Project, I've watched an episode four or five times, and I'll watch it the sixth time, and I'll pick up something different. And that's where you notice that I, effort. I did an episode of The Office where uh, they go into, I have three characters that go into a bookstore. It's like uh, Dwight, mm -hmm. Andy, and uh, and uh, uh, Daryl. Daryl. They go into a bookstore. They book go in store. there to pick up women. Yeah, they go in there to pick up women. Episode, yeah. And so you know we're we're doing this the set design and you know we're just we're 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 shooting at a you know at a at a Borders or a Barnes and Noble wherever we were, and uh, I look at one of the displays and they're like you know what kind of books do we want here, and we had a character Kathy Bates played a character on the show she mm -hmm. was Joe, and she had written a book and she gave it out in one of the episodes and. I was like, let's have Joe's book on display here. <laughs> like, just it's just a little thing. It's just a little <laughs> subtle thing. But some fans will catch it. Like that, you know. Wow. And you see a character walk by, and you just see the Joe's book in the background, like Kathy. And I said, yeah, let's have the book. We'll have some of the audio books there, and it's just it's just there wow. in the background, and it's a little. And the art department, you know, and the art department, they love like, mm -hmm. yeah, we've made these books. Like, let's <laughs> let's do it and 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 put it in there. And it's like those are the you know just little decisions like that you make mm -hmm. a million of them when you're when you're shooting and and you know th those are things to me that are that are fun and, and really pay off i think just having yeah. that attitude of always going the extra mile is something that just pays off in life in general no matter what you're working on yeah i, I mean i i think if you you know you're you need to be passionate about what you're doing you, I mean, you need to like enjoy it. Like that's you know, some people say, oh, I hate work. You know, I love my life, but I I hate my work. I like you know my my home. I'm like, you spend a lot of time at work, so I know it's hard. But sometimes like you have to, if you can, you try to do something that you really enjoy. If you can afford to like, hey, I'm gonna you know take some time and and figure it out and explore and and, mm -hmm. and find something I like to do. Then when you when you find that, I think the passion kind of takes over and like you wanna mm -hmm. you know just do the best that you can and yeah and for know. the people who are, who are working and saying oh you know this is what i have to do to provide yeah. you work that extra 10 percent. you do the extra side job to pay for the passion and hoping that that 10 percent will grow to 20 or 30 and that's just what you got to do yeah. yeah yeah what would you consider to be your definition of success uh i mean my definite my definition of success is it's doing what you love to do
and making a living out of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what I, that's what success is. Whether it's in the entertainment industry, whether it's in the, you know, cooking industry, mm -hmm. whether you're in business or doctor, you know, whatever it is, it's doing what you love to do and, and making, making a living mm -hmm. from it. I, you know, I won in, I won a couple of Emmys. I've been fortunate that I, I, I won a couple of Emmys and I've won some other, you know, awards for editing and, and mm -hmm. nominations and things like that. And I remember, like, I, I said this and I was, I was completely honest, like, like, this was great, but the work is the real reward. Like, doing work that you love and being a part of a show, like, you know, I mean, it's trophies are nice, and, and mm -hmm. getting, you know, recognition from your peers, you know, it, 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 whether it's editing or directing, is is great. But really, it's if you make a successful show, if you're doing great work that people appreciate and people love, like that's, mm -hmm. what's better than that? Yeah. yeah. What would, advice would you have for people who are in the positions, further down the totem pole, wanting to? get to the position of editor, to the position of producer, director, that are maybe in the hustle jobs, feel like they're at a dead end, what advice do you have for them? Persist. Just persist, persist, persist. You, you just have to, you, you have to stick to your dream, you have to make time for that, and you have to go for it, and whatever field it's in. So if you're, you know, if you're interested in editing, or you're interested in, in writing, if you're, if you're interested in writing, then you have to write. I mean, that goes without saying. Whether you're working a job at a mortgage company or you're, you know, working at a restaurant, you have to dedicate your time to writing, learning your craft, getting better, getting notes, and, and getting those scripts. And, and you'll succeed. I mean, you'll, you, you, you will eventually. Hmm. And sometimes it takes a little luck, and it's knowing the right person. But that's it. You network, and you'll, you know, but you'll get there. And, and that's why you see all these stories. That's the thing about Hollywood. It's like when you do succeed, the payoff is like you know is yeah. so big and, you, and you, you see people who like hey this person made it wrote a spec script you know and it just it blew up I mean you, you, you look at uh, you know Trey Parker uh, you know mm -hmm. the guys who made South Park they made a, a little video for someone you know a little Christmas video the spirit of Christmas and now they have an empire you know <laughs> like there's museums yeah. I, there's one in LA that had a huge um, theme of, of South Park yeah the museum, yeah. there was like three floors of South Park yeah. that I went to. Never and these guys guessed. are great. I mean, and they wrote what, that play, you know, uh, The Book of Mormon. I mean, these guys are, are brilliant, but at least, no, you know, there's a lot of brilliant people out there. Mm -hmm. You have to do what you have to do to get known and get your work out there. Well, you've done certainly yeah. that, and yeah. I appreciate you sharing all about all that, sharing about the yeah. journey, sharing about the rise, and, and yeah. of course, all the stories. We've appreciated <laughs> yeah. those as well. I feel like I wouldn't be doing justice as a fan unless I tried to get some secret out of you from the office. Is there a secret story, something that you can share? Mm -hmm. The finale came in really, really long. And one of the things, that, and, and I've seen people talk about it on the internet because they've, we have the table read out, mm -hmm. like you can watch the table read, is that there was a cold open that is the ultimate prank where Jim you know, pranks Dwight and he does the ultimate prank. He makes Dwight think that he's in the matrix and people ask us like oh did you you know you ran out of you know it was just too long you guys didn't shoot it, it it's not in the episode you didn't put on the deleted scenes we shot it where is it you will have to wait and see <laughs> oh the agony of just knowing that it's and out it's, there it's great you've it's seen great. it i cut it <laughs> when can everyone see it if they can see it 
let's see. Well, you know, that's all up to Greg Daniels. But uh, maybe the 10-year anniversary, the 20-year anniversary, we'll see. We'll wow. see. But it's it's great. It was, this is a really, really I'm not. I mean, again, I, I say this because it's it's out there on the you know the table mm -hmm. read and pe you know a version mm -hmm. and people talk about it. But we sh we do have this. Ha we did shoot. It's in the can. So that is a very <laughs> juicy piece of information. We can't wait. Thank you so oh, much my for coming in, David. Hope yeah. you guys enjoyed that. We'll see you next time.